Hello, everybody, and welcome back to reading and evaluating the d, the d, reading and evaluating the d, d, the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's <laughs> all right. It's Tuesday. We're gonna open them up here, and we're gonna see what's inside. Thus far, we have been exploring their apocrypha, their text where they like to do a lot of pseudepigrapha, pretending they're somebody else that's been long dead, so that they can claim that big names put their stamps of approval on Qumran's theology. And they've been going in a very logical order. Ah, here we have Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, then Levi, then Amram, then Moses, then Joshua. And today we are going to start off with the Samuel Apocryphon because, of course, they got to go all the way down the line, don't they? Now, thankfully, we get to skip the entirety of all the judges because I'm pretty sure they didn't have a copy of the book of Judges to know who was a judge and who wasn't. So they go to the very last judge of Israel, Samuel. Let's just jump right in. For I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of the house of Eli relating to sacrifices and offerings shall never be expiated. And Samuel heard the words of the Lord, dot, dot, dot. And Samuel lay down before Eli, and he rose and opened the gates of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to report to Eli the oracle. Answering, Eli said to Samuel, Samuel, my son, let me know the vision of God. Do not hide it from me, pray. May God do to you thus, and may he add to it, if you hide from me anything of the words that he spoke to you. And Samuel reported all and hid nothing. Next fragment. Thy servant, I have not restrained my strength until this moment, for dot 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 let them be gathered, O my God, to thy people, and be a help to it, and raise it, dot dot dot, and deliver their feet from muddy clay, and establish for them a rock from of old, for thy praise is over all the peoples. Thy people shall take refuge in thy house, dot dot dot. Amid the rage of the enemies of thy people, thou shalt verify thy glory, and over the lands and seas, and thy fear is over all, dot, 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 and kingdom. And all the peoples of thy lands shall know that thou hast created them, and the multitudes shall understand that this is thy people, thy holy ones, whom thou hast sanctified. Now at first, you're probably hearing this and you're going, what? What does this have to do with Qumran? Well, indeed, it seems a little bit like some sort of paraphrase of 1 Samuel, Samuel's uh, initial childhood story of how he has to relay bad news to Eli, the judge slash priest, and how he has to address the peoples, right? But we can't forget that one of the absolute basic foundational tenets of the Qumran community was ethnic supremacy. And they wanted things in the Bible to shore that up that aren't really there. I mean, Moses is one of the biggest critics of Israel, as are the prophets, telling them that, listen, God did not choose you to be his ecclesia, his congregation on earth, because you're a special people. Qumran reads that and goes, huh, you know, we really need Samuel to say um, that... The multitudes shall understand that this is thy people, thy holy ones whom thou hast sanctified, that, that thou hast created them. We really need Samuel to say something different, you know. And it sounds kind of mundane because we live in a land full of dispensationalists who would probably just agree with the Qumran community on their outlook. 
But in all reality, I mean, the Bible does not posit one people group as so special and chosen that they are better than everybody else. In fact, God will criticize the children of Judah in the book of Malachi saying, listen, you know, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated, but here you are just using that as an excuse to walk all over the blessings that you've been given and just, well, poop on it, really. <laughs> You're getting too big of a head. You're thinking so much more of yourselves than you ought to, and you really should be humble and penitent before the Lord your God. But Qumran doesn't feel that way, so they want some speeches. And even if what we read sounds very mundane, trust me, it was not used for mundane purposes. Let's keep moving on here, though, to the paraphrase on kings. It's just a little bit of a blurb here where they're trying to summarize it. And it's very fragmentary, but the other tiny little fragments that we have have some names. Jezebel, Ahab, Elijah, Elisha, etc. So it's clearly related to the biblical book of Kings. All we have, though, is a piece of a prayer here, and it reads, From thy word, and to rely on thy covenant, and our heart be dot dot dot, to sanctify him slash it dot 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 and so that they might be thine, and thou theirs, and thou be righteous. For thou wilt be a giver of an inheritance, dot, 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 and lord over them, and thou wilt be a father to them, and not, dot, dot, dot. Uh, remember, in case this is your first time listening, the dot, dot, dots are just fragments here. Thou hast forsaken them to the hand of their kings, and hast made them stumble among the peoples, dot, 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 not thy life. Didst thou give them the law by the hand of Moses, dot, 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 thy judgments and lifting the iniquity of thy people to the heights, dot, 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 thy patience and the multitude of mercies. And that's it. We don't really understand much about what this document actually had in it. But given that it's related to the book of Kings, given the tiny little fragments with royal figures' names and the prophets' names and everything, it probably had a lot to do with the comparison between uh, ancient Israel and, at their time, their modern time, I guess, Judea. Continuing on, though, we have an Elisha Apocryphon. And because we're just wading through scraps today, it is something that reproduces some biblical material, but has a little bit unique to it, just in terms of wording. It just says, And Elisha went up. When the sons of the prophets who were over at Jericho saw him over against them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests over Elisha. And they came to meet Elisha and bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, Behold, now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Pray, let them go and seek your master. It may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. So it's just from Second Kings chapter 2 that they're kind of paraphrasing it and adding a little bit of words, probably for some midrashic purpose. Again, guys, today we're just wading through the scraps, the leftovers, and that sort of stuff. But an interesting thing here is the Zedekiah Apocryphon that comes next. If you remember Zedekiah, he was the last king of Judah, and he was a sinner. He was the king over which uh, Judah went into exile under Babylon. He was such a cantankerous sinner that the way God punishes him when the exile kicks off is, uh, well, the king of Babylon comes and kills all of his family in front of him and then uh, pokes out his eyes so that the last thing that he saw was his family dying. 
Mm-hmm. Then he went into exile as part of Nebuchadnezzar's uh, zoo of kings. He liked to collect royal figures from the countries that he conquered. But the Apocryphon regarding Zedekiah is different. It says something different. Let's read it. Michael, dot, dot, dot. Zedekiah shall enter into a covenant on that day to practice and to cause all the Torah to be practiced. At that time, Michael shall say to Zedekiah, I will make with you a covenant before the assembly to practice, dot, dot, dot. Oh, that's interesting. See, Second Kings says very explicitly that Zedekiah was a wicked, evil man. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord like his father. But here they're saying, oh, uh, excuse me, Michael, the archangel? Yeah, he's going to be there to make a covenant with Zedekiah. Why? Well, let's keep reading. Maybe they have something there. Their cry towards heaven, dot, 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 to restore them to health and help them by the spirit of his might and by the pillar of fire many times, dot, dot, dot. And Moses wrote when he spoke according to all, dot, 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 Kadesh Barnea. So we have a pro-Zedekiah document that contradicts the word of God. We don't know anything else about it except that they're saying, oh no, see Zedekiah, he's going to have this great covenant with Michael the archangel. When um, the, the Bible doesn't say that, nor does it recount anything like repentance on Zedekiah's part. Uh, this is weird. This is a weird document to put in there. But if I were trying to establish a kind of Davidic supremacy over and against the non-Davidic rulers in Judah between the time of post-exilic Judah and Roman Judea, then it might make a little bit more sense to try to rehabilitate even wicked kings like Zedekiah for the sake of shoring up and supporting this notion of a Davidic supremacy. Now, we all know that they have a point because the Messiah, the Christ, our Lord Jesus, does come from the line of Judah as was prophesied, and even more to the point, from the line of David through Nathan. However, they're not thinking about the Messiah as a savior. They want a political ruler, so they are shoring up kings as political rulers. But wading through more of the scraps here, we have the uh, narrative based on Genesis and Exodus. I don't think there's too much here. Again, it's very, very fragmentary. Shem and Ham and Japheth for Jacob, for Israel, dot, dot, dot. And he will give the land to the multitude as a heritage, dot, dot, dot. The Lord who rules, his glory which will fill the waters and the earth, dot, dot, dot. They seized his people. The light was with them, and darkness was on us. Dot, dot, dot. The period of darkness passed away, and the period of light came, and they were to rule forever. Therefore he will say, dot, 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 to Israel, for in our midst was the people of the beloved of Jacob. And they slaved, and they were safeguarded, and they cried to the Lord. And behold, they were handed over to Egypt for the second time in the period of the kingship, and they were safeguarded. Dot, dot, dot. And the inhabitants of Philistia and Egypt will become a booty and a ruin, and he will make it stand, dot, dot, dot. The fierceness of her face will be changed to brightness and her soiled garments to, dot, 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 and he will remember Jerusalem. Now, what on earth is this getting at? Uh, real quick, whenever it says the Lord 
here for one reason or another they just took four dots and put that there because they didn't want to put the tetragrammaton because Qumran wasn't usually skittish with writing the name of God this may have come from outside the Qumran community however it does reflect something that they really like as we if we read it again it really is talking about the history of oppression and bad things happening to the children of Israel, which will be a cause for the shoe to finally be on the other foot, I guess. He will give the land to the multitude as a heritage. The Lord who rules his glory, which fills the waters and the earth, they seized his people. The light was with them and darkness was on us. Oh man, this was so bad what happened to us. The period of darkness passed away, and the period of light came, and they were to rule forever. Hmm, yeah, she was going to be on the other foot one day. And this is kind of 30,000 foot view of history. Ah, yes, we will rule forever. Period of light. It's light because we're in charge, and they're going to die. And it happens again when we see, And behold, they were handed over to Egypt for the second time in the period of the kingship, and they were safeguarded. And the inhabitants of Philistia and Egypt will become a booty and a ruin, and he will make it stand. Ah, see, they were handed to Egypt, and yeah, maybe that protected them a bit, but that's still slavery. And you know, one day they're going to become a ruin and booty, meaning everything they love is going to be destroyed and if it's not destroyed, it's because we saw value in it. And therefore, haha, ha, we're going to win. We're going to plunder you the end. Now, after this, it gets into Tobit. But we read all of Tobit, the actual document itself, last week. And we theorized why exactly it might be contained in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It is very, very fragmentary, so I figured it would be just more convenient for everybody to just go ahead and read Tobit instead of trying to parse through a whole bunch of fragmentary dot dot dots and pauses and uh, out of context fragments that we have no clue what place they were in and so on and so forth. Uh, please forgive me for the cat sounds going on. So with that said, we're going to skip over the fragments of Tobit and move on into the Apocryphon of Jeremiah. It's a weird one, but we'll go ahead and read the whole thing. Vakat, dot, dot, dot. Jeremiah the prophet departed from before the Lord, uh, Y-H-W-H there, they use the tetragrammaton, to accompany the captives who were taken captive from the land of Jerusalem and came to dot dot dot. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babel, when Nebuzaradan, the chief of the bodyguards, smote dot 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 and took the vessels of the house of God, the priests dot 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 and the sons of Israel and led them to Babel. And Jeremiah the prophet went with them as far as the river, and he commanded them what they were to do in the land of their captivity. Dot, dot, dot. And they obeyed the voice of Jeremiah in regard to the words which God commanded him. And they were to keep the covenant of the God of their fathers in the land of their captivity, and they were not to do as they had done in their kings and priests, and dot, dot, dot. And they profaned the name of God. That's the first fragment. So off the bat, you have what appears to be some sort of summary of Jeremiah's end of his ministry, so to speak. Oh, yes, uh, they were taken into captivity. He wrote letters to the captives in Babylon. Um, everything's copacetic, right? No, there's a little bit of a foreshadowing of some stuff that's off. 
namely the thought that they could keep covenant while being captive in Babylon. Newsflash for you, a covenant which requires you to be at the tabernacle or at the temple to perform sacrifices for the Passover is not something you can keep when you're in Babylon. Uh, case closed there. The covenant was broken by this point. But we continue on. Let's see if maybe there's a little bit more foreshadowing. Fragment 2. In Tapanes, which is in the land of Egypt, dot, 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 and they said to him, Inquire of God for us. But Jeremiah did not listen to them and did not inquire for them of God, dot, 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 a jubilation in prayer. And Jeremiah lamented, uh, lamentations over Jerusalem, vakat. And the word of the Lord was addressed to Jeremiah in the land of Tapanes, which is in the land of Egypt, dot, dot, dot. Go to the sons of Israel and the sons of Judah and Benjamin and speak to them, saying, Day by day seek my decrees and keep my commandments, and do not follow the idols of the nations after which your fathers walked, for they will not save you, dot, 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 nor dot, dot, dot. Hmm. Does that match up what Jeremiah actually said to the exiles? Um, you know, let's look it up here. From Jeremiah chapter 44, here is what Jeremiah is saying to his fellow uh, children of Judah here in Egypt. Starting in verse 11, Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you for harm to cut off all Judah. I will take the remnant of Judah who have set their faces to come to the land of Egypt to live, and they shall all be consumed. In the land of Egypt they shall fall. By the sword and by famine they shall be consumed. From the least to the greatest they shall die by the sword and by famine, and they shall become an oath, a horror, a curse, and a taunt. I will punish those who dwell in the land of Egypt, as I have punished Jerusalem with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, so that none of the remnant of Judah who have come to live in the land of Egypt shall escape or survive or return to the land of Judah, to which they desire to return to dwell there, for they shall not return except some fugitives. Now that's just a part of his overall message to the remnant of Judah that had escaped to Egypt. It is a very, very depressing part of scripture where he says, I told you not to go to Egypt. Then you went to Egypt. You're going to die by the sword. Too late. Do not go back around the board. Don't pass go. You're going straight to death. The end. Maybe there will be a few of you that come back to Jerusalem, but that's a very teeny tiny amount. He does not give them the same message that he gave to the captives in Babylon. So, this document lies. Off the bat. And maybe I'm missing something. If I am, please email me at very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com. But this is a lying document that purports to be about Jeremiah's life and ministry, and it lies about what he said. Now, on the off chance I'm wrong, let's read the next fragment and see whether or not they continue in this vein. Strengthen yourselves to serve me with all your heart and all your soul, dot, 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 in their distress. But I will not seek them on account of their unfaithfulness, by which they were unfaithful to me until the completion of ten jubilee of years. And you will walk in, dot, 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 in blindness and stupefaction of heart. And after the completion of that generation, I will tear away the kingship from the hand of those who have been holding fast to it. And I shall place over it others from another people, and impudence will rule on all the earth, and the kingship of Israel will perish. 
In those days there will be a king, and he will be a reviler, and he will perform abominations, but I will tear away his kingship, and that king will be destined for kings. And my face will be concealed from Israel, dot, 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 will return to many nations. And the sons of Israel will cry because of the heavy yoke in the lands of their captivity, and there will be no savior for them because they despised my decree and their soul loathed my law. Wow. So he's telling these captives in Egypt, you got to serve because there's going to be this other king who's going to show up. It's not really like a king of Israel. It's a dude that's named like John Hyrcanus or not John Hyrcanus, like some other king that's like in pre-Roman era that's a bad guy and we don't like him. He's a bad dude. He's a reviler. Yeah. Okay, Qumran. Next fragment. In his days, I will break the kingship of Egypt, dot, dot, dot. And I will break Israel, and I will deliver them to the sword, and I will destroy the land, and I will distance man, and will leave the land into the hand of the angels of hostilities. And I will conceal my face from Israel, and this is the sign for them. On the day when I will forsake the land, dot, 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 the priests of Israel will return to worship other gods, and will perform the abominations of the nations." What? You can go ahead and Google any number of those phrases and you will not find them actually in Jeremiah with the content intended here. Uh, in fact, this is probably just them shoring up the idea that everybody in Jerusalem is a bunch of traitors on account of the uh, pig being sacrificed to Zeus in the Jerusalem temple or something in claiming that all of Israel's priesthood went after that which isn't the case. But remember, they want to separate you from anything that was going on in Jerusalem and have you come over to Qumran. Next fragment. Three priests who did not walk in the ways of the former priests and are called by the name of the God of Israel, and in their days the pride of the wicked ones of the covenant and the worshippers of strange gods will be brought low. Israel will be torn in that generation, each man waging war against his neighbor because of the law and the covenant. And I will send famine into the land, but not concerning bread and thirst, but not concerning water. Oh no, it sounds to me like they're talking about the Maccabean revolt here. We continue. I have despised them, and they will again perform evil, and evil will be greater than the former evil, and they will breach the covenant which I concluded with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. In those days a king will rise up for the nations, a reviler, and he will do evil. And in his days I will stop Israel from being a people. In his days I will break the kingship of Egypt, dot, dot, dot. And I will break Israel, and I will deliver them to the sword, and I will destroy the land, and I will distance man, and will leave the land into the hand of the angels of hostilities. And I will conceal my face from Israel, and this is the sign for them. On the day when I will forsake the land, dot, 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 the priests of Israel will return to worship other gods and will perform the abominations of the nation. Oh, they repeat themselves here, because that's totally what Jeremiah would do. In the Angels of Hostility, that's totally what Jeremiah talked about. Boy, I sure am glad that uh, Jeremiah was able to just so accurately talk about what would happen in Israel at the time of Greek conquest and then Roman conquest and talk about how Oh man, it's done. It's over, man. We need a, a community that teaches us the real law. 
I wonder if Jeremiah will start talking about a teacher of righteousness. Let's keep reading. A reviler, and he will do abominations. And I will tear away his kingship, and he too will be destined to hostile kings. And my face will be concealed from Israel, and the kingship will return to many nations. And the sons of Israel will cry because of the heavy yoke in the lands of their captivity, and there will be no savior for them because they despised my decree, and their soul loathed my law. Therefore I have concealed my face from them until they have completed their iniquity, Vakat. And this is the sign for them regarding the completion of their iniquity. For I have forsaken the land because of the pride of their heart towards me, and they have not known that I have despised them, and they will again perform evil which will be greater than the former evil. And they will breach the covenant which I concluded with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. In those days a king will rise up for the nations, a reviler, and he will do evil. And in his days I will stop Israel from being a people. In his days I will break the kingship of Egypt, dot, 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 Egypt, and I will break Israel, and I will deliver them to the sword. Now you might be noticing there's a lot of repetition here. This tells me there is one of two things going on. Either A, these are copies of each other, this is maybe a scribe writing down the same scroll and copying one scroll off of the other, or B, this is an idiotic hackneyed attempt at chiasm, at Hebrew poetry, at repeating oneself and having a central message between clauses, which helps us to understand the passage. Qumran, they imitated the ancient Hebrew writing for this. That tells me that they probably were just copying. But knowing Qumran, I want to say that they were being dum-dums here and not knowing what they were doing while writing supposed Bible. But maybe they'll surprise me. Let's move on to the next fragment. And again, I will give them into the hand of the sons of Aaron, dot, 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 70 years. And the sons of Aaron will rule over them, but they will not walk in my ways, which I command you to testify to them. And they will also do what is evil in my eyes, just as everything the Israelites did in the earlier days of their kingship, apart from those who return first from the land of their captivity to build the sanctuary. And I will speak to them and send to them a commandment, and they will understand all that they have forsaken, they and their fathers." And from the end of this generation, in the seventh jubilee of the destruction of the land, they will forget decree, festival, Sabbath, and covenant. And they will breach everything and will commit evil in my eyes. And I will conceal my face from them and will give them into the hand of their enemies and deliver them to the sword. But I will cause refugees to remain from among them so that they should not be annihilated by my anger. And when my face is concealed from them, and the angels of hostilities will rule over them, and dot, 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 and again, they will commit evil in my eyes, and they will walk in the stubbornness of their heart. So they're applying this to Judea's history, that there were kind of like priest rulers for a time. There was the Maccabean revolt, and here they are saying, but this is going to be bad, because they're going to rebel against God. They're not going to do things right, because they don't have a proper teacher of the law, like um, like those guys out in, in the desert in this place. Um, I'm going to call it Qumran, but don't put that in the text, Barak. We can't let them know yet. I mean, come on. So you're going to go into 70 years of exile again. And then that's going to stop at some point. Let's hear if uh, quote-unquote Jeremiah starts talking about some sort of restoration with 
maybe two messiahs, maybe a council, maybe a teacher of righteousness guiding them. Let's see how on the nose they get with this one. Next fragment. And the dominion of Belial. <laughs> there it is. I asked how on the nose it would get. And there it is. First thing out of their mouths on this uh, second to last or so fragment here is Belial, the bad guy in a Qumran. And whoa, dude. Jeremiah brought him up. This document that he totally wrote brings up our bad guy that we hate. Sure, Qumran. Okay, Qumran. I'm, I'm certain it just so happened that Jeremiah held to all of your theology. Let's restart. And the dominion of Belial will be on them to hand them over to the sword for a week of years, dot, dot, dot. And in that jubilee, they will break all my precepts and all my commandments, which I will have commanded them, dot, dot, dot by the hand of my servants, the prophets. And they will start to contend one with another for 70 years from the day of breaking the law and the covenant which they will break. I will give them into the hand of the angels of persecutions, and they will rule over them. And they will not know and understand that I am furious with them because of their transgressions by which they will have forsaken me, and will have done that which is evil in my eyes, and will have chosen that which I do not desire, striving for wealth and gain, and dot dot dot, one stealing that which is his fellows, and one oppressing another. They will pollute my sanctuary, profane my Sabbaths, they will forget my appointed times, and will pollute their seed. Their priests will act violently." Yep, they uh, just wrote an entire apocryphon where Jeremiah tells them everything they want to hear because they just put words in that dead man's mouth to verify everything they wanted anyway. We have time, I think, for one more document called the New Jerusalem. It is going to be very, very boring here. It's not inspired by Revelation. It's more inspired by Ezekiel, what Ezekiel says about the new temple, his figurative ideal Jerusalem here. Sorry, it's boring. We're just going to get through this so we can get to more interesting stuff next week. Dot, dot, dot. And they call this gate, gate of Simeon. And they call this gate, gate of Joseph. And they call this gate, gate of Reuben, dot, dot, dot. And they call the name of this one, gate of Naphtali. And from this gate, he measured to the eastern gate, 25 stadia. And they call this gate of Asher. And he measured from this gate to the eastern corner, 25 stadia, Vakat. And he led me into the city, and he measured each block of houses for its length and width, 51 reeds by 51 in a square all. Next fragment. One round equals 357 cubits to each side. A passage surrounds the block of houses, a street gallery. Three reeds equals 21 cubits wide. He then showed me the dimensions of all the blocks of houses. Between each block there is a street, six reeds, 42 cubits wide. And the width of the avenues running from east to west, two of them are 10 reeds, 70 cubits wide. And the third, that to the left, north of the temple, measures 18 reeds, 126 cubits in width. And the width of the streets running from south to north, two of them have nine reeds and four cubits, 67 cubits each street. In the middle street passing through the middle of the city, its width measures 13 reeds and 1 cubit, 92 cubits. And all the streets of the city are paved with white stone, marble, and jasper. And he showed me the dimensions of the 80 side doors. The width of the side doors is 2 reeds, 14 cubits. Each door has 2 wings of stone. The width of the wing is 1 reed, 7 cubits. 
and he showed me the dimensions of the twelve entrances. The width of their doors are three reeds, twenty-one cubits. Each door has two wings. The width of the wing is one reed and a half, ten cubits, and beside each door there are two towers, one to the right and one to the left. Its width is of the same dimension as its length, five reeds by five, thirty-five cubits. The stairs beside the inside door on the right side of the towers rise to the top of the towers. Their width is five cubits. The towers and the stairs are five reeds by five and five cubits, forty cubits on each side of the door. And he showed me the dimensions of the doors of the blocks of houses. Their width is two reeds, fourteen cubits, and the width, and he measured the width of each threshold two reeds, fourteen cubits, and the lintel one cubit. And he measured above each threshold its wings, and he measured beyond the threshold its length is thirteen cubits, its width ten cubits. And he led me beyond the threshold, and behold, another threshold and a door next to the inner wall on the right side of the same dimensions as the outer door, its width is four cubits, its height seven cubits, and it has two wings. And in front of this door there is an entrance threshold, its width is one reed, seven cubits. And the length of its entrance is two reeds, fourteen cubits, and its height is two reeds, fourteen cubits. And the door facing the other door opening into the block of houses has the same dimensions as the outer door. On the left of this entrance, he showed me a round staircase. Its length is of the same dimension as its width, two reeds by two, fourteen cubits. The door of the staircase facing the other doors are of the same dimensions, and a pillar is inside the staircase around which the stairs rise. Its width and depth are six cubits by six, a square. And the stairs which rise beside it, their width is four cubits, and they rise in a spiral to a height of two reeds to the roof. And he led me into the block of houses, and he showed me the houses there. From one door to the other there are fifteen, eight on one side as far as the corner, and seven from the corner to the other door. The length of the houses is three reeds, twenty-one cubits, and their width two reeds, fourteen cubits. Likewise, for all the chambers, and their height is two reeds, fourteen cubits, and their doors are in the middle. Their width is two reeds, fourteen cubits. And he measured the width of the rooms in the middle of the house and inside the upper floor, four cubits. Length and height, one reed, seven cubits. And he showed me the dimensions of the dining halls. Each has a length of nineteen cubits and a width of seven cubits. Each has a length of nineteen cubits and a width of twelve cubits. Each contains twenty-two couches and eleven windows of lattice work above the couches. And next to the hall is an outer conduit. And he measured the dot 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 of the window, its height two cubits, its width dot 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 cubits. And its depth is that of the width of the wall. The height of the inner aspect of the window is dot 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 cubits, and that of the outer aspect dot 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 cubits. And he measured the limits of the dot dot dot. Their length is nineteen cubits, and their width twelve cubits dot dot dot. Next fragment. On every seventh day a memorial offering of bread, and they shall take the bread outside the temple to the right of its west side, and it shall be divided. And I looked until it was divided among the eighty-four priests and all the seven divisions of the tables, dot, 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 the oldest among them, and fourteen priests, dot, 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 priest. Two loaves of bread with incense on them. I looked until one of the two loaves of bread was given to the high priest, dot, 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 with him, and the other was given to his deputy who stood near. Boy, that's a whole lot of nothing. It's just based off of Ezekiel's perfect temple, his vision there. And it's saying, oh man, we gotta go into more detail. We gotta go into more cubits. We need to talk about some cubits. We need to get into extreme detail here about each house and how long the couches are. How many cubits? 
By the way, guys, um, a reed is seven cubits. I want you to remember that. Cubits, cubits, cubits. Sure. Okay, Qumran, I'm sure that when you get exactly what you want, you will have it all exactly as you planned out and imagined in your head. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you're extinct, because you clearly rebelled against God and embraced severe false doctrine and heresy. Bye-bye, Qumran, this dream is dead. All right, catch y'all next week. Amen and amen.